It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team, Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am LJ LaFura. Alongside me, I've got Brandon Karam, and this is a Belly Up Sports podcast. We are, but they aren't. Brandon, how you doing? Good. Uh, this should be a fun episode, uh, as the games today certainly uh, – very high scoring, very entertaining uh, in pretty much every way you can imagine. So excited to go through those and then, uh, yeah, talk through another trade scenario here. Uh, yeah, uh, should be should be a fun episode. I believe I have the first. Oh, no, you're the American League now. Oh, no, you know what? I think we forgot to switch yesterday. Right. What do you want to do? Switch hey, we'll just, stick with, no, we'll just stick with it. Okay. You, you want this game, don't you? I, I can stick with the NL. You want this game. You vibe with this one. Hey, all right. Giants and Dodgers. Uh, one of the biggest series of the season so far, considering, considering how close these two were in the standings heading into this and trade deadline implications because the, the Dodgers are – going to probably try to go and get some pitching help uh so yeah we need a starter now <laughs> yeah well uh in this one buster posey gets it going in the top of the first with a two-run home run 
is 13th on the season. And then Wilmer Flores also goes yard, and it's 3 nothing Giants early. In the bottom of the first, Max Muncy and Justin Turner both go deep to cut the lead down to one, and it's a 3-2 to two Giants lead. There's no more scoring until the top of the seventh when Jason Vossler hits a sack fly to extend the San Francisco lead to four to two. Tyro Estrada with a double into the gap that scores two more runs to make it six two. And Austin Slater caps it off with a double of his own. A four run seven inning, seventh inning gives the Giants a seven to two lead. And that's your final. The win to Harlan Garcia. Kevin Gosman got the start. Three innings, two earned runs, five Ks. Uh, yeah, 80 pitches and in three innings for Gosman. The loss to Tony Gonsolin, three and a third, three earned runs, and three strikeouts. Yeah, LJ, uh, the Giants here, another fantastic win. They stroll into LA and they hit two home runs in the first inning. So did the Dodgers, but uh yeah, not the best start ever for for a for a Kevin Gosman only making it through three innings, but you'll take what you can get, I guess. Absolutely. You know what? This team continues to amaze me every single time that they go out here and they got out wins against really good teams especially in this case when it's a division rival the guys that you need to keep on beating as you go down the end of the year look the Giants had one of the easiest schedules in the league to start the season this first that first half was a piece of cake granted they did a lot better in the big games and in the small games than anyone expected during that stretch but it was easy nonetheless the bulk of their schedule will be against division opponents like the Dodgers and Padres in the back half of the year. And yet they still have the intestinal fortitude to keep coming back for more, taking more, chipping away from the Padres, chipping away from the Dodgers, and just continuing to prove people wrong when they think that this is a fluke, when they don't think people are going to last. I have to admit, as much as I love watching this team, as fun as they are, I've had my doubts over the past couple of weeks. And I was starting to think, okay, they probably won't hold on. They probably won't win the division, but they're certainly a playoff team. They'll get there. That's a huge win for the year. They can, if they continue to pull out these types of starts and these types of series to finish a series, you're going to see those types of doubts of them being able to be in the division race for the long haul slip away, and they're already starting to slip away from my mind. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I'm not very concerned about the, the Dodgers. I believe they still have the best run, run differential in the league. Yeah, they still have far and away the best in the MLB. Now, of course, we've gone over how the stat is flawed but it certainly does mean something here I mean the fact that the the Dodgers have really pitched and hit better than any other team when you combine those two in in the league I mean 
still very impressive. And something that I was thinking about today is with the way that this NL West is shaping up, it looks like the three best teams in the National League are all inside there. That means that one of the three best teams in the league or in, in the National League is going to get eliminated in the in the one game wild card. And, you know, I, I don't know how to feel about that because, because baseball is a game that's so heavily built on series. And we see, we saw earlier in the year with, uh, with the uh, Dodgers Padres, how those games became increasingly more important as those series went on. Uh, we saw it earlier in the year also with giant with the Giants and Dodgers as well. That I would hate to see a matchup like, like uh, Dodgers Padres in the wild card game and see like someone like San Diego get knocked out when in just a one game playoff. But I guess that is the uh, the beauty of the MLB playoff system uh, in a way. Yeah, I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't hate it at all because. What you lose in the tension of a playoff series between these teams, you gain in each of these three teams. The series between the Giants, Dodgers, and Padres are all going to grow to immense importance in the back half of the season. Every single game in those series becomes must-win for each team because you don't want to put yourself in that situation. If you, The way the whole system is based, if you can't win your division, then you are put at a disadvantage. You're making the playoffs, but you're put at a disadvantage. And granted, some instances like this year, you get situations like this that kind of stink, and you end up with the three best teams in the league in the same division. Somebody's going to end up really getting the short end of the stick. Two people really end up getting hurt in all of this. But at the end of the day, they didn't win the division. They didn't win the games they didn't, needed to. They don't deserve to get those advantages. I would love to see a three-game series until I considered this. If you do a three-game series, most teams go to a four-man rotation, maybe three-and-a-half-man rotation in the postseason. If you, if you had a three-game series and that series went all three games, you could very easily justify – skipping that fourth guy and bringing your ace back out to start game one of the divisional round, or you definitively get him in the second game of that divisional round. Whereas in a one game, your best pitcher is going to be coming back in a potential elimination game for that series. It just, if you were to do any more games in the wild card, it would make the teams that won the division at a significant disadvantage. Yeah, no, that that is true because they would be sitting idle for a lot longer than other teams. And, I mean, they already do sit idle for quite a bit. I mean, from the time the season ends to when the divisional rounds start, uh, it's, a, it's a pretty good uh, gap of time there, especially if there's any sort of tiebreaker games that need to be played or play-in games like we have seen. Uh, I believe 2018 that happened where there was there had to be two extra games played. Uh, but yeah, once again, the Giants, you know, they this is a huge win for them. And uh, I'm very interested to see uh, what 
this series is going to bring. Uh, I believe the the pitching matchup for tomorrow, if I saw it correctly, uh, Alex Woods going for the Giants, and I don't think the Dodgers have announced uh, anyone for today. I should say, but uh, yeah, should be should be a fun one. All right, next up we have the Red Sox and the Blue Jays. Brandon, you know this old classic saying, revenge is a dish best served in Buffalo. Starting in the first, Kike Hernandez gets on base for rookie Jaron Duran. We will talk about this updated lineup in a little while. But Jaron Duran hits his first piss missile of his career. Here's to many more piss missiles for Jaron Duran. This one with some oppo power. And it gives Boston the 2-0 lead later in that first inning. Hunter Renfro comes up with the bases loaded. 0-2 count. And he unloads another piss missile, a four-bagger, a four-piece, puts them up 6-0. And then Kike Hernandez adds two more with a piss missile of his own. Before you blink, this is an 8-0 game going out of the first inning. In the second, Rafi Devers goes yard. His 23rd piss missile of the year. Danny Santana hits an RBI double. And then in the fourth, Danny Santana gets a piss missile of his own demolished to dead center field. This is a 12-0 game and exiting the top of the fourth. Now in this fourth, starter Nick Pavetta did find some trouble. He gives up four earned runs in this half inning, including a home run to Kevin Biggio. Everybody thought that he would have been pulled before that inning had finished, but he ends up gutting it out and pitching well into the seventh, going six and two thirds in this game. Kike Hernandez added his second piss missile of the game in the top of the sixth. He would not get the bingo bango Yahtzee, but still a great day for him. Meanwhile, J.D. Martinez ended up going four for four with a walk in this game as well to round out with another great line in this one. The Red Sox defeat the Buffalo Blue Jays 13 to four. Give the win to Nick Pavetta. He goes six and two thirds, allowing 11 hits, four earned and four strikeouts. The loss will be given to Ross Stripling, who goes a third of an inning, allowing four hits, six earned, two walks and two home runs from there. They go through just about the entire bullpen to get this game finished. Um, real quick. I, I mean, there is no better time to have a completely or largely updated lineup than right now. I mean, you just came off of a series where you just, you couldn't do anything at the plate and by that Sunday game, Brandon, you saw it it never really felt like they could, they had a chance of getting any momentum going throughout that game. I mean, I just never, there was always just felt like a bad omen around the whole thing. And I couldn't get behind them. And it was just overall body language issues. What do they do? They drop the struggling outs for Dugo back into the six hole move rookie Jaron Duran into the two and then, and then rotate, Bogarts, Devers, and Martinez in this one. This is the first time that JD hasn't hit in the three-hole all season. And, you know, this is – Alex Cora does not normally 
mess with the core of the lineup very often, but this time certainly paid dividends. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, I think that anytime you don't have Danny Santana hitting in the leadoff spot, uh, it just gets immediately better, but no, a Jaron Duran. I mean, you figure that in little Jacoby. Yeah. Like, He's going to be your leadoff hitter and probably, I mean, realistically, the, the start of next year, I mean, you would, that's what you would hope. Uh, but, Definitely by the start of next year, if not this year. Right. And I mean, you know, I would love to see if, if a Jaron Duran is hitting well this year, I'd love to see if Alex Cora would keep experimenting with him at the top of the lineup, even with uh the inexperience of him uh it would certainly be be interesting but yeah toronto tonight just rough night for them pitching uh this has been an issue for them pretty much the entire season we knew it was going to be an issue for the blue jays and just like uh the los angeles angels they didn't do much to try to fix it you know uh well, they have done a lot of things to shake up that bullpen. Yeah. Nothing, nothing big, but they've moved things around. Well, also, it sucks that 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 a, that a Kirby Yates ended up being out for the entire season when they spent a pretty good amount of money on him this offseason. But this, this starting rotation is actually not been terrible. Just this, this a bullpen at times just seems a bit a bit shaky, but I guess, I guess if you can piece it together, you can get enough innings. And I mean, they have such a good offense that, that they should, they should still be winning enough games. All right. Well, the Marlins and the Nats, the nationals said anything you can do, Boston, we can do better as they dropped 10 in the first two innings, Trey Turner with an RBI triple gets it going. Juan Soto with a two-run bomb. And then Josh Bell with a solo bomb in the first. Then Tress Barrera with a homer in the second. Trey Turner follows him with a three-run bomb. Josh Harrison with a double. And then Gerardo Parra with a single. That's how we get to 10 to nothing. LJ, the bottom of the fifth, we saw a fantastic moment as John Lester, pitchers who rake two, two run home run for Mr. Lester himself. Pew! From what I believe, his first homer of his career, uh, which is... LJ, you know, you've certainly watched a lot of John John Lester in your lifetime. Uh, yeah, is this not – oh, actually, believe it or not, his fourth career home run as he hit a home run in 2017, 2018, and 2019 for the Cubs. So every season that he has participated in since 2017, he's gone yard. Hey, I mean, you know, you spend enough time in the National League and you're going to get some at-bats like that. Yeah, great job 
for the strikeouts leader of the 2010s for the Boston Red Sox? Well, uh, as a career negative 16 OPS plus hitter, <laughs> uh, he certainly was showing off the, uh, the big guns tonight. He shows flashes. That's all you need. That would make it 12 nothing. Juan Soto would go yard later on in the game off of Sandy Leone, another player that LJ is. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications familiar with as he used to be on the Red Sox and the catcher gives up an absolute piss missile to Soto who now has five home runs in the last three games did did we miss a a a a bingo bango Yahtzee no are we sure or five home runs in the last four games I think is what they said that's five and four so it didn't necessarily have to be a bingo bango Yahtzee we did miss. I'm pretty sure he probably had two two uh, homers in the game that we missed on the first day. Yes. He, okay. So he had two on July 16th, zero on the 17th, one on the 18th, and two today, the 19th. Also, I feel the need to defend Sandy Leone here because, granted, that may have been an absolute moonshot. However, this might have been yeah i'm gonna go ahead and say this was the best outing by a position player pitching that will doesn't have like any form of pitching experience we probably have brandon an inning and two-thirds one hit is the home run yeah and the one hit came to quite possibly one of the most done well not quite possibly it was it is one of the most dangerous players in the league and Juan Soto, who, after this this recent hot stretch he's been on, LJ, he's sitting ninth in the league now for OPS. Like, he's up there at 933. Remember, at the start of the year, people were a little bit concerned about him. I mean, he has absolutely turned it around. All those expected stats said that he was underperforming at the start of the year, and they've certainly flipped back around as – uh, should his his numbers hold, he'd be on pace for his best season by OPS plus. Uh, if you don't count 2020, so it couldn't get much better than 2020. No, yeah, it's it's gonna be hard to break a two his 221 OPS plus in 2020, but he's at 153 right now. That's not counting tonight's game. 
Uh, he was at 142 and 143 in 2018 and 19. So, yeah, certainly having a career year. And, you know, the power numbers you, you would expect to be up there because he did hit 34 homers in 2019. You know, he's at 16 right now. I still think he could end up high 20s, low 30s potentially if he stays on this stretch. So uh, he does so much more than just hit home runs, though. I mean, he leads the NL and walks now. He really does have such a great uh, just eye for the ball. I mean, he also leads the, the NL and on base percentage as well. So just really having – a fantastic year and we well, love this, this is the guy that we said would be the next one to 500 on base yeah and he's at 420 right now so pretty close yeah nice but also very close yeah. oh and then that's uh, when 18 to 1 john lester pitchers who rake he gets his he gets the win seven innings no earned runs seven k's Ross Detweiler did his best to have a worse start than Ross Stripling. Uh, it's close. One inning, eight earned runs, four home runs allowed for him. All right. Um, I will just say this without really any conversation behind it to move us along. But the fact that Han Soto didn't finish in the top three of MVP voting last year is bold. Oh, also, I have one last thing. You know how we talk about run run a differential. I already brought it up with the Giants and Dodgers. Well, after the 17-run loss tonight, the Marlins have finally gone negative in their run run differential. This is a team that's 40 and 54 and is negative one on the run run a differential uh, scale. I mean, LJ, that's – that's. how do you even explain that? Well, this is also what I – I feel like this is the only game that I can remember for the Marlins this year that has really gotten it out of hand. Ooh. There's – Like forgetting a significant one? But no, like, I feel like it's like – they, they haven't let a lot of games get away from them. No. Which again, so, like, if you, if you take this back to a 6-1 – you're still looking at like a plus 10 run differential here in the, after the all-star break, that's regardless. This is, yeah, this is, this is a last place in plus the division. would be better than the Mets right now. So he's yeah, they, they are the third worst team in their league and they had a, had more, scored more runs than they allowed for over half the season. That's baseball folks. All right. We got the White Sox Twins doubleheader coming at you next. This one starts scoring in the bottom of the third where Tim Anderson goes yard, his 19th of the year. This is followed up for a run by the Twins, started by Nelson Cruz, goes yard. The quest for 500 continues with his 19th home run of the year. In the top of the eighth, Cruz also gets an RBI on a sack fly and then a single by Jorge Polanco extends this to a 3-1 Twins lead. Jose Abreu does get an RBI double in the eighth. However, the White Sox are unable to come back in game one, losing 3-2 to two in eight innings. Next, 
the, the win will be given to Duffy of Minnesota in the bullpen. The loss will go to Garrett Crochet of the Chicago White Sox. He only pitched a third of an inning, allowed two runs on one hit, and one of those was earned. Next up will be game two of this doubleheader. Josh Donaldson starts scoring with an RBI sack fly, 1-0 Minnesota. Jose Abreu does tie this game up before Mitch Garver goes yard not once but twice in the second and fifth innings to push out to a 3-1 lead. From there, it'll be Yoan Mancada and Gavin Sheets going yard to push Chicago to a 5-3 win late. Give the win to Bummer out of the Chicago bullpen, pitching that final inning shutout with one strikeout. The loss will be given to Jose Barrios, pitching six innings, allowing four hits with five earned runs and eight strikeouts. He's seven and four on the year. I'm currently searching for the Nelson Cruz update. Oh, yes. Uh, while you were looking for that, and you also have the next recap, I just wanted to say that um, he's at 536 or 436. That would have been a very quick. We would have totally missed that story if that was the case. Yeah. <laughs> well, I wanted to say that. I feel like with with the uh, seven-inning doubleheaders, like 85% of them just end up getting split. Like – I'm pretty sure I heard on a, on a radio broadcast one time that generally double headers get split like about a little over 50% of the time. And then the other 48 or so is a sweep. I just feel like this year we've rarely seen any sweeps in the seven inning double headers. It's no. just interesting to me. Well, you're, you're right, and that's partially because there's a lot less time for teams to work with. I mean, how many ninth inning comebacks have we seen? How many eighth, ninth rallies have we seen by teams to come back and win games? Those last two frames can sometimes be very, very important towards a team being able to get back in a game. It's a nine-inning game for a reason, and seven-inning doubleheaders being split so often and being generally such random – results really shows all right somehow i managed to get myself three in a row here so orioles rays coming at you ryan mountcastle and anthony santander drive in runs in the first this gives baltimore a two nothing lead for the majority of this one no score will go across the board until the top of the sixth where pat valeka kelvin gutierrez and austin hayes all drive-in runs. Baltimore scores four in this frame. Tampa only scores one run in this game in the bottom of the sixth as they fall six to one. Give the win to Watkins, the starter for Baltimore. He goes six innings, allowing four hits, one earned, and seven strikeouts. The loss will be given to Ryan Yarborough. Five and two-thirds of an inning, allowing eight hits, Six earned and five strikeouts. All right. Uh, we haven't done this in a while, but this game is very much 
deserving so. Your laser show of the day. The Mets and Cincinnati Reds. Mr. Home Run Derby champ himself, as Juan Soto said on the mic'd up during the Home Run Derby, the king of home runs, Pete Alonzo, with a two-run homer in the first, and then Jeff McNeil follows him with a homer of his own. It's 3 nothing Mets. However, the Reds then score four in the bottom of the frame. They get a run on a fielder's choice, two on a Tyler Naquin double, and then a Shogo Akiyama sack fly. It's 4-3 Cincinnati. In the second, they get another run off a fielder's choice and an error where Luis Guillorme, uh, LJ, he makes the great double error, fielding error and then throwing error on the same play. Uh, yeah. yeah, no. How majestic. I can only imagine how many a defensive run saved he got taken away just on that play there. I mean, that's just brutal. Uh, well, that made it 5-3. Joey Votto and Tyler Naquin would single to extend the lead out to 7-3. to The Mets would cut the lead back to one in the fourth as they get a homer from a two-run home run from a, from a Michael Conforto and then a Pete Alonzo single. It's 7-6 Reds. In the fifth, Dom Smith homers to tie it back up at 7 and we are tied at that score after five innings. Bottom seven, all-star starter Jesse Winker with the RBI double to give the Reds an 8-7 lead. But in the eighth, James McCann ropes a two-run home run to give the Mets a 9-8 lead. All they have to do is close it out in the ninth inning. And they are unable to as Jesse Winker in the bottom of the ninth rips a double that scores Aristides Aquino to tie the game at nine. We go to extra innings and the scoring was not nearly done. Top 10 James McCann with an RBI single to make it 10-9 Mets. Once again, they just need to close it out. However, in the bottom of the 10th, the Reds come through again as Tyler Naquin singles to tie it at 10. To the 11th we go and the Mets score once again, as Jeff McNeil rips an RBI single to make it 11-10 Mets. Kevin Pillar then steps up and rips a three-run home run to make it 14-10 Mets. And then Michael Conforto tops it off with his second homer of the night to make it 15-10 Mets. Once again, for the third time, they just need to get three outs and close it out. Jonathan India rips a single prior to that being done. It's 15-11 Mets, and that would be your final in 11 innings. Time of game, four hours and 45 minutes. The Mets win 15-11. to They make four errors in this one and collect 18 hits. The Reds collect 16. Uh, the win goes to Anthony Banda out of the Mets bullpen. Uh one and one-third innings, two runs, both unearned. The loss to Edgar G Garcia 
out of the Reds bullpen, one and two thirds, two earned runs to him. Vladimir Gutierrez got the start, four innings, six earned. For the Mets, the start was made by Jared Eikhoff, three and two thirds, seven runs, but only two of those were earned. Of the 11 runs the Mets allowed tonight, only four were earned runs. And Trevor May with his third save on the season. That um, double error reminded me. Did you happen to see Raphael Devers' blooper tonight? I did not, no. Oh, um, I should preface with was not charged with an error. really wasn't an error. It was a pretty hot shot towards the line. He gets to it, gets in his glove, goes to lose it on the transfer, but what really ended up killing him from, ma- from making the play as he went to try to go to the second, loses that transfer, and then with his left foot basically completely misses the ground while he's walking and ends up getting his foot caught behind him, falling, falling directly to the ground. You know, it was the most indicative moment of the, that section of the game is, you know, you've got two runners on, one out, trying to blow our payback game for what happened in Boston a couple weeks ago. Anyway, I digress. A's Angels is coming up next. We actually didn't end up seeing a score in this game until the bottom of the seventh when Raymond Laureano unloaded his 14th home run of the year. This one will be a three-run piece and put Oakland up 3-0. Matt Olson hits a solo piece later on in the eighth inning to extend this lead. The Angels would only get one run in this game, and that would be the first career double for Brandon Marsh. It'll score Phil Gosselin and make this a 4-1 game, which will be your final. Give the win to Cole Irvin. Seven innings, seven hits, no earned runs and three strikeouts. The loss will go to Steve Ciszek, pitching no, not getting through a third of an inning, allowing one hit, three earned runs, and two walks. Shohei Otani pitched this game. He pitches six innings, allowing three hits, no earned runs, and eight strikeouts. His ERA is now a 3-2-1 on the season, and the save goes to Lou Trevino, his 15th of the year. All right, the Cardinals and the Cubs. Uh, Dylan Carlson opens up the scoring in the third with an RBI single and gives the Cardinals a one nothing lead. In the fourth, the Cardinals get four runs. They get uh, one run off a fielding error by Javi Baez. Harrison Bader is able to reach on a fielder's choice as there's a throwing error by Javi Baez, so... Fielding error and then throwing error score back-to-back runs for the Cardinals, uh, both by Javi Baez. Dylan Carlson then with the bases loaded walk to make it 4-0, and Paul Goldschmidt with a single to make it 5-0. In the fifth, Ian Happ hits into a double play that is able to score a run for Chicago. Uh, But in the sixth, Dylan Carlson and Paul Goldschmidt both homer to make it 8-1. Patrick Wisdom goes deep in the seventh. LJ, his 14th home run on the season. He's only had 129 at-bats, but he has 14 home runs. 962 OPS for him. Uh, That home run would not be enough. The Cardinals win 8-3. to 
the win goes to Jake Woodford, who got the start for St. Louis, five and two-thirds, one earned run in six Ks. The loss goes to Alec Mills, four innings, five runs allowed, only one earned, thanks to those two errors by Javi Baez, and he collects six strikeouts as well. Can we talk briefly about how Nelson Cruz has three stolen bases this year? Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Really? I feel like that should be making national coverage every time he tries to. He's 3-0 this year. Yeah, you know, I wonder if... I feel like he'd be enjoyable to watch run in those situations, you know? Yeah, you have to wonder, though, if he's on first and they got, like, a speedster on second base, let's say Byron Buxton's on second. And uh, double steals. And, and, there's, and there's less than two outs. Is he saying, like, hey... Byron, you better get on your absolute horse and not get thrown out at third so that way I get a stolen base because did you know that if it's a double steal, okay, and you're the runner that's running from like second or from first to second and the runner at third gets thrown out, you don't get uh, a, a, a stolen base. They just, they just give you a fielder's choice. Like, it doesn't count as a stolen base. So I mean, I didn't know that, but I totally get it. Oh, yeah, no, I didn't know, and then I heard it, and I was like, yeah, like, that totally makes sense. But still, like, run, running technique on stolen bases just always seems to be totally different than base running technique. Like, the way you go about running from first to second. I'm just trying to picture Nelson Cruz – Bust an ass down that, down from first to second. I I I feel like that I feel like that's good enough to make national coverage. Why have I not seen it on MLB tonight? That is my question. Let's let's stop doing this whole nepotism thing with Zach Plesac and Vlad, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. worship, and let's get to the real hard hitting stories here. Yeah, no, I mean, I would be down for that. I mean, I wish they would talk about how. In the past uh, seven seasons, if you count this one, uh, Nelson Cruz has a higher OPS plus than Juan Soto has this year. Uh, but no, we don't need to bring that up. Just only one of the greatest hitters of our generation. Uh, like, do they ever talk about this guy? Has 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 he got more than like five? five minutes of coverage in the last month on MLB network. 
I, I genuinely, unless he does like something crazy record breaking, you don't hear about these types of teams, particularly like the Twins. Unless it's some interesting factoid stat. Um, speaking of MLB Network employees, can we talk about how um, Matt Viscursion, I'm pretty sure, has a crush on Mr. Dur- on Jaron Duran's dad? Did you hear his comments on that Sunday night game? Yeah, you know, they showed Jaron Duran's parents like a few too many times. Like, look, I get like showing the parents because the kid is making their debut. But like even the second night he played, like they were still showing him. And it's like, all right, like, like, you know. It's written in Matt Vaskersian's contract. Like just they have to show. His dad is jacked. Oh, no, trust me. I heard that one. I heard that one plenty, plenty of times. It's like, oh, look at his dad. It's like, look, look at the muscles on that guy. It's like, yep. Like, we're, we're not talking about the sister, but we're just going to, we're just going to have Matt Vaskersian keep drooling over Mr. Duran. Oh, well, there was some college football commentator. Was it Vern Lundquist? No, I, whoever was the guy that retired a couple years ago was called the games for CBS for the longest time. And during one of the national championship games, when Alabama was playing, they showed AJ McCarron's uh, girlfriend in the, in the stands. And this commentator who was like an old man at this point was just absolutely, I don't know. I don't even know what the word what the right word is just going nuts over over this this girl like a very attractive girl and just going crazy over her and I was like oh my god like is this a national championship broadcast right now like this is something you would you would expect in like a 63 to 0 Alabama blowout not not the national title game um on that note I saw one of the coldest things ever on TikTok today shout out to um trevor lawrence's ex i'm not sure if you've seen it yet brandon but it was going all over like i found it on my for you page and stuff she's got like 200 or 300,000 likes at this point and it was a thing of like be be careful i was where you were once too and it's like a picture of trevor lawrence and uh like an enjoy it while it lasts like it was a picture of trevor lawrence and his girlfriend and then it was like, yeah, enjoy it while it lasts. And then it was like a collage of him and her together. Ooh. Like, that's some serious that's shade. Just throw at an NFL player on a social media account like that. No, that is that is brutal. Uh, I just can't believe some of the stuff that you can find on, on a TikTok. I mean, like... You know what you can find? Clips from the show. At MLB Daily Pod, we're trying to put out as much as we can. We're working hard. Yes, you can find clips every day. Every day. We're working on some other original content, too. Just bear with us. Sniff, I have to figure, I have to figure out. Home Run Derby. What? I said sniff if you're excited for the Home Run Derby. Yes. One of our greatest pieces of content. We've. It, it, it was seen like by like three people. Hey, still one of the greatest pieces of content we've ever. You no. Know, also weird how the TikTok algorithm, like, we have like hundreds of views on some of them, and then like three on others. Just very strange. No, no, no. It's, it's three. It, it's like less than twenty on all of the memes, 
baseball memes, which makes no sense because that's exclusively what I've been posting in recent memory. Like I haven't posted on my own account in months, but the last like seven things I've done were the best things that I'd ever gotten traction on, on TikTok. And they were all MLB memes and I'm getting 500, 600 views. And then I post one on the MLB daily account and just nothing crickets. Crickets. Well, where are we? Um, you, I, uh, you got Indians Astros. Indians Astros, how fun! Okay, Indians Astros starts in the bottom of the first, an RBI double by Yuli Gurriel. This will be tied up in the top of the fourth by a Fran Mill Reyes home run, before Martin Maldonado gets them back ahead in the bottom of the inning with an RBI single. From there, Jordan Alvarez hits a two-run piece in the fifth, his 17th of the season. Fran Mil Reyes drives one in, and Harold Ramirez drives one in in the sixth and the eighth. However, the Indians will fall short of the comeback, losing four to three. Give the win to Zach Greinke, five in a third of an inning, five hits, two earned runs, and four strikeouts. The loss will go to Francisco Mejia, four and a third, seven hits, four earned, and eight strikeouts. Ryan Presley will get the save, his 17th of the year. All right, the Pirates and the Diamondbacks, the two teams with the worst records in the National League. And Arizona gets it started in the second as Haven Smith and Josh Van Meter both homer, 2-0 Diamondbacks. In the fifth, Eduardo Escobar hits his 22nd homer of the year. This one, a two-run home run, and it's 4-0 Arizona. In the seventh, the Pirates get two runs. They get singles from Key Brian Hayes and Brian Reynolds. And that's all that... This one wrote uh, the Diamondbacks are able to hold on and win four to two. You can give the win to Caleb Smith, six and two thirds, two earned runs, seven Ks. The loss to Chase DeYoung, five innings, four earned, six Ks. And the save to Joaquin Soria is fifth on the season. Next up, we have the final game of the night the Rangers, and the Tigers. This one was not much of a game, more of an offensive, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Exposition. Akil Badu is doing his thing once more, his seventh home run of the year. It'll be a two-run piece. In the bottom of the fifth, Jonathan Scope and Miguel Cabrera add on runs here. This is all before a big bottom of the sixth, which sees seven runs across the plate. The Detroit Tigers end up winning this one 14 to nothing, the biggest win of the day, as they also out hit the Texas Rangers 19. I don't think it was the biggest win of the day. I think that goes to Washington, who won 18 to 1. Oh, right. Yes, Washington. Biggest win of the day in the American League. Yes, that's what I meant. Um, give the 
win to Joe Jimenez out of the Detroit bullpen, pitching the fifth inning, only allowing one hit and striking out three batters. Casey Mize got the start going four innings, allowing one hit and two strikeouts, no earned runs. His ERA is now a 3-4-4, and he's still looking for his all-star game invitation. The loss will be given to Kyle Gibson, five innings, 10 hits, eight earned runs, and two strikeouts. And this provides a perfect segue into our next and final topic of the day, and that is our potential trade scenario of the day. Today we will be talking about Kyle Gibson in a possible trade to the Philadelphia Phillies. Again, we are not saying that these deals are in the works. We are just saying this is a very good fit and why it would work, possibly why it wouldn't work. We're just throwing ideas out here and seeing what sticks, but I'm going to kick this off again tonight and tell you why Kyle Gibson to the Phillies makes a ton of sense. Now for starters, Kyle Gibson is the one player that the Texas Rangers absolutely must ditch before the deadline. If they do not capitalize on this first half performance, they will never get the comparable return. Gibson's 2.29 ERA this season is roughly 1.40 lower than his career low in the 2018 season. Odds are, Brandon, his back half will regress towards the mean. It'll probably still be better than any season before. However, you're not going to get that same production out of Kyle Gibson. I just don't believe in it. We've already seen that tonight with his eight earned run performance already inflating from a 2-2-9 going into tonight up to a 2-8-6. So this guy's a ticking time bomb in terms of value. But luckily for the Rangers, of course, we all know the trade deadline is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately culture. It doesn't matter what he did before this year. And because of his struggles previously, I doubt the next two years of control will carry much weight for any team. Brandon, I think you have to agree with me. If you're going after Kyle Gibson in this trade market, you're not going after him because he's a guy that you can have on your roster for the next two or three years. He's not one of those guys like people are looking at a Jose Ramirez because they're like, Hey, we can have him a couple more years. He's not, we don't, he's not a walk wrist risk this year. If we just go get him for our current need, he is a current need guy because odds are he's not going to be able to repeat this type of success based on his past track record. As for the Phillies, this is a perfect start fit because their starters are ranking 17th in ERA and a closer dive shows really They've got two starters that have pitched any real innings, or at least have pitched well. Only two starters that are currently under a 4-5-0 ERA. They desperately need at least a third member in that rotation that is very much solid if they're able to catch the Mets at the top of the NL East. And even though his past performance isn't going to range out for the next year, that's going to be okay. It's going to drop his price, I think, down a little closer to where it can be affordable for them to go out, get Gibson, because he's certainly not going to be the best starter on the market this year. And then in addition to that, go out and add a few more arms in that bullpen that desperately needs it. Yeah, uh, I think that Kyle Gibson to the Phillies is a great fit. Uh of course, 
as for starters right now, they have Zach Wheeler, who has only been one of the best pitchers in the league this year. They have Aaron Nola, who has severely underperformed this season uh, compared to previous years. This is probably the worst year of his career. And, I mean, this is a guy who had a 10-war season in 2018. I mean, (laughs) you don't see that very often. I mean, really, you know, it's such an outlier season that you just wonder where where that is. I mean, where where it came from, where that still is. But I think the point here is that, yes, Kyle Gibson would fit into this rotation because really other than Zach Wheeler, Aaron Nola, and Zach Eflin, who's that other guy, like you said, that fits under the 4.5 ERA this year, they have not gotten really anything from their starters. Matt Moore who they brought back from Japan. They signed him after he pitched in Japan in 2020. He's not giving them what they wanted. Vince Velasquez, uh, while certainly being able to eat innings, uh, you don't like the 42 walks already this year. Uh, and, you know, the it just has not pitched very well. So certainly this would work out in terms of fit. Uh, Kyle Gibson has uh, another year left on his contract, only at $7 million. So very affordable, for, especially for the quality of pitcher that you could be getting. Now, the question is, once again, and I brought this up yesterday, it's like, okay, what assets does Philadelphia have to try to go and get it, get uh, Kyle Gibson? Because this is one of the weakest farm systems in the league, just like we saw Cincinnati yesterday. This is a farm, a farm system that only has one top 100 prospect. And it's like, okay, so where do you go from here? Because they certainly have guys who are of, of value on their team, right? I mean, whether they would want to deal someone. I mean, I guess I got to look at contracts here, but it's like they have good players that could be included in a deal, but it's just like who would who would want them. And I, I'm struggling to find a good enough trade package to where the Rangers would say yes, just because I don't see any quality prospects. And I'm sure that that's what the Rangers would prefer over uh, – you know, any sort of veteran player. And if you're Philadelphia, are you really willing to part ways with your top prospect to get a year and a half of Kyle Gibson? Well, Brandon, I think you have to also remember the vast, vast majority of deadline deals, trades in the MLB are a lot of, you know, that player to be named later level guy. The majority of, unless it's a huge name, the majority of the trades, especially midseason, end up being lower lower level, I guess you could say, by, by your definition, as in not top 100 guys. However, guys that teams have scouted and say, hey, I can do a lot with this guy. I, I can really find that. I can find something within him and pull him to being a top 100 guy 
or pull him to being a contributor on our major league roster. I just, I struggle to see how Texas, who is in the early infancy of a rebuild, it feels like there, there isn't, there isn't a lot there for them to say that they work on. Keep in mind, they also only have one top 100 prospect and they have, maybe two players, maybe three players that are in the early infancy of their career that are really stepping up, really playing great. They don't have a ton to work build around here. And Kyle Gibson at 33 isn't going to be, he, he isn't going to be the top of your rotation next year, let alone three, four years from now. So you really need to capitalize while you have some value for him you're not going to get any more value than now. And I certainly don't think the value of Kyle Gibson is a top 100 prospect. So they'll be able to find something, especially with the amount of new young players they're capable of trading with the MLB draft just having passed. So there are, there, there, I don't think my question is as much of, do they have prospects that they can move? They, these teams most of the time have enough prospects for these mid-level guys. The question is, is he where they want to invest their time? This bullpen is a hot mess. We're talking somehow 19th in ERA, but I mean, it's just 23rd in hits. They have no real defined end of the game. I mean, granted they've got, all right, I'm, not, I'm on the wrong page. Actually, I'm on Texas's page. Hold on. 21st in ERA. Yeah, that that looks better. Bad. Still bad. Still, st- uh, it, it's it's worse than I thought. It, it's it's as it's bad as bad as I expected. But you look at this team; they have no real defined end of the game. They desperately need late inning relievers on this team. They need relief help help in general. If I were the front office in Philly, I would make that priority one and two before going out and getting starting pitching. So the question then becomes, is there enough left after doing that to justify it? So they have plenty there in that farm system, I think, to make a move for any mid-level trade piece here, but not enough to make 5 million moves. Yeah. uh, In terms of the value that uh that a kyle gibson is gonna get i mean certainly this is not a great comparison whatsoever because these two guys were at completely different stages of their careers at this point but when sonny gray got dealt to the yankees at the trade deadline in 2017 it took quite quite the uh package of prospects to get it and yes, Sonny Gray was the much better pitcher at that point in his career, but still, he had only made the All Star game one point up until that point, and that was still his fifth year in his career. Kyle Gibson uh, has made the All Star game. This was his first year making it, and so Sonny Gray. I mean, the Yankees had to trade James Caprillion, who <laughs> LJ. I'm sure you're familiar with him because he shut down the Red Sox a couple times this year for Oakland and they traded away Jorge 
Mateo, who currently uh, has had a spot on the Padres roster as a utility player. Both were very highly regarded prospects in their own right. And people were like saying, you know, are the Yankees overpaying here for Sonny Gray? And it's like, well, maybe, but it's like, this is a guy who has been an all-star and in Kyle Gibson's case, you know, was an all-star this year, which I think helps his case more than anything. So teams are going to want to be going after a guy like Kyle Gibson. I've, I, I wanted, there's going to be a lot of teams that want his services, which is only going to drive his price up. So, you know, I just think that it, it's going to go to someone that has better prospects to offer, especially with where a Texas is. They can play a little hardball because this is a buyer's market. There's players out here at every position for these contending teams to go and get which is only going to make these trades very, very competitive because uh, there's going to be a lot of teams that are out here trying to get players. I mean, we saw that four out of the five teams in, in the NL East are still attempting to compete. So it's just, you know, I, I just feel like that his price is going to be a bit too steep for Philly. And, you know, you make a great point. The bullpen has to be first priority for them. Brandon, I think you're being a little deceptive with this Sunny Gray, Gray comparison in many ways. Again, I know you did say that it wasn't a great comparison. However, I don't think, I think it's apples and oranges here because Sonny Gray was a one or two his entire career going into that. I mean, we're talking about this guy in five years in Oakland had a 3-4-2 ERA. However, the majority of that came in those in that 2016 season where he pitched 117 innings for a 5-6-9. Past that, his first three seasons, 2-6-7, 3-0-8, 2-7-3, and then after the 2016 season to start his year in Oakland, he had a 3-4-3. Keep in mind, during this tenure also, he came in third in the Cy Young voting. Meanwhile, and, the, and he's getting traded at 27. Meanwhile, you've got Kyle Gibson here at age 33, who, remind you, just got shelled and is now back up at a 289. Let's call it a 287 or whatever it is right now for this year. In seasons prior, 535, 484 is low mark, low watermark to this point of 362, and then back to back 507 seasons. This is not. This isn't even a three. It, Kyle Gibson hasn't pitched like a three even for the majority of his career. You add that in, granted, yes, it is a buyer's market. However, if you don't sell Kyle Gibson for something, you're, you're, you're wasting your time. Frankly, if they, didn't, if they didn't make this move within the next couple of days, I'd be shocked. If you let him get, does he have enough time for another start? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, no. The trade trade deadline. We still have ten days, so. Yeah, so if he, if he got another start, that could be the biggest mistake Texas ever made. Mark my words, Brandon. We can write this down. The Rangers will not get a top one hundred prospect. They probably won't even get a top one hundred twenty five prospect in a deal with Kyle Gibson in it. But you know what? That's good because you can find a lot more value than anybody thinks 
outside of that top 100, especially with young players. Outside of the first couple of rounds of the draft, there's a lot of very talented players that aren't immediately picked out as top 100 talent. Really outside the first round, you're not going to see a lot of guys move directly from the draft into the top 100. So you have a lot of those international, young international guys, those guys out of last year's draft that these teams have been putting eyes on, but they haven't gotten that necessarily the same looks from the people that are making these prospects lists. So it's not a bad thing to not have the getting, be getting top 100 guys, but I just don't see any way that Kyle Gibson has top 100 prospect value. Yeah. Uh, and I certainly think that the Rangers could, could go with an approach that we saw the pirates go with in the off season where you just take quantity over quality with your prospects. I mean, mm. the pirates, they traded away, of course, Jamison Tyone. They trade away Josh Bell, uh, and there was one more guy. Oh, and they trade away Joe Joe Musgrove, and they get like a total of fifteen prospects for those three guys. I mean, you'll certainly take fifteen guys who, like, sure they have a smaller chance of turning into a superstar than a normal, like, a top one hundred prospect. But when you're getting that many players, like you're confident that a couple of them are going to turn into solid, solid major league talent. Again, I will repeat, it's probably the fourth time I've said it in this conversation, but no one is trading for a prospect that they have not watched a lot of tape on that. They haven't taken a deep dive into their numbers as well. These guys know exactly who they're trading for and they know what adjustments they want to make, what types of things they think could be in the cards for a specific player, maybe even if it's a position change, a pitch change. The other thing that I think it also gets criminally underrated is the fact is not only are there, is there scouting, not only is there front office people, there are player, player development staffs are crucial to some of the best teams in the league. Some of these teams that continually have very high level farm systems. So if you invest correctly and get the right guys in your player development team, you, you can make the quantity over quality work very much in your favor as you can take some of these high potential low product production guys and turn them into something that looks a little better, maybe even is a quality major leaguer. Yeah, I think the team that has done the best at that over the last couple of seasons uh, is Houston. I mean, sure, you can say, well, Brandon, like, what about guys like Alex Bregman and Carlos Correa, who they picked in the first round? And it's like, yes, I get that. And you could say the same about Kyle Tucker. But to see, like, this kind of second wave of guys that they've had come through, I mean, Abraham Toros, their starting third baseman, he was a fifth-round pick in 2016. Miles Straw was their 12th-round pick in 2015. Uh, you can even go on to some of these these pitchers that they have out in the, the bullpen. Brandon Bielek, who is going to probably turn into a starter at some point for them, he was an 11th-round draft pick. They have done so such a good job with this internal – 
development of players and they've drafted so well that it's just like player development is absolutely where teams are trying to focus all of their financial resources now because they realize like this is like yes having a good farm system and having those top prospects is good but there's so much untapped potential in a lot of these guys that we hadn't been extracting i mean you like look at a guy like jordan alvarez who I believe they trade four from the LA Dodgers and they don't really trade much. I mean, if I remember gets traded for like a couple of unknown prospects and he's one of the, I mean, he, I don't know. He gets traded for Josh Fields who hasn't pitched in a major league game since 2018. I'm sure that the LA Dodgers wish they had Jordan Alvarez instead of a guy that hasn't pitched in three years. I mean, and that's just the point. When you can develop those players in just a couple of years, it's it can be so impactful on your franchise, even just a couple of guys that, you know, the whole point of this is that they're, the, the Rangers will be fine even if they don't get the greatest prospects in return as the qual- quantity over quality method has certainly worked if you – pair it with good player development within the organization. Exactly. The other thing here is these lists are, are, are very fluid. Like it's, it's not like these guys are tapped at 17, 18 as top 100 prospects. And all of a sudden they stay where they are for the rest of their time in the minors. No, this, this list is rapidly changing. You saw Randy Rosarena get hot for the Rays at the end of the year and all of a sudden was I don't think he was even in the top 100 and he jumps up into the 30s after having a good September the 30s oh he was in like he was like number three he was, was he? he was number three heading into this season they no, used number number three prospect in the league yeah like they well no so he was you're right outside of the top hundred, and then after what he did last year, he was still considered a prospect because he hasn't even broke his rookie uh, rights yet. So he was still considered a rookie heading into this year. So they had him at the number three prospect in the league heading into this season. Yeah, exactly. And then you look at another guy we talked about tonight, Jaron Duran was looked at as a plus speed guy and not a lot else as he coming in as a second baseman converts out to the outfield, develops some power to his game. And all of a sudden he's a top 100 guy. So you could be looking at a 19 year old, you get in a trade and two years from then he is a top 100 prospect. It's all about proper scouting and development. Brandon, any last thoughts before we wrap up here? No, uh, I think that it was pretty pretty well said by 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 both of us. You know, it's it's so important now to be able to get back these quality prospects in return. These trades here, I mean, this could be a real building block to this rebuild for the Texas Rangers. I'm assuming Joey Gallo is also going to get dealt. I mean, there's no reason why he shouldn't get traded either. Uh, Texas should just really, really blow this up. I mean, if any 
if if they thought they had any chance of contending this year, it clearly you know it's not going to happen. So it's it's absolutely the right time to blow this up. Get Kyle Gibson out of there. Get Joey Gallo out of there. Build around your guys like Adelise Garcia. Even though he is a bit old, you still have so much service time on him. Yeah, that'll be fine. You have guys like Nate Lau, who you traded for. Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, still a staple there. So you're still, even if you trade Joey Gallo and Kyle Gibson, the team's not going to be that much worse off uh, in in the long run because you're going to keep these same guys around. Another guy, Nick Solak, too. So it's just like, you know, those guys are going to stay around. You just drafted Jack Leiter. Uh, you are certainly looking on the upswing to have a successful rebuild if you can get this uh, done the right way. Um, the Marlins have hit an impasse in extension talks with Starlin Marte. He will be going to the trading block now officially, so we will talk about him tomorrow. Brandon? All right, yeah, very interesting. Uh, just wanted to say that I saw that he didn't, he was not in the starting lineup tonight. A lot of people thought that he might have been getting traded during the middle of the game. Uh, it turned out it did not happen. Uh, there's at least three teams, though, that are interested in those tr- in trade talks for Starling Marte. LJ, would you like to take any any guesses on those three teams? Um, no, the Yankees. Yankees are one of them. The other two, one is from the American League, and that is the Houston Astros. And the other is from the National League, the Philadelphia Phillies. Interesting. Uh, they could certainly use a center fielder because Travis Jankowski, LJ, I don't think is going to cut it. But offensively, Philadelphia has just been pretty much average. So, you know, that's, but all right. I think that that is a good spot. Yeah. uh, To wrap up today's show. Thank you for listening. We'll be back tomorrow. Once again, of course, be sure to check us out on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok at MLB daily pod. Uh, Yeah. Thank you for listening. Play the trivia game on Twitter, of course. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Have a good one. See you manana.